Hello from elsewhere, I'm Casey. And I'm Valerie. And this episode comes to you straight from the inside of our chimney. Because today we're going to answer the question, is Santa Claus a wizard or a Jedi? Casey, are you ready to record this episode? Nope. See ya. I am. I have eaten my cinnamon roll. I've drank my eggnog. I am feeling very holly and jolly here. You've got some red pants on. I do. Let's, uh, I'm really excited about this Christmas episode. You can see the Christmas tree from where we're recording. Yes. It's very festive. Very full of, yes, that full is of, all. Full of yes. <laughs> full of yes. Full of, I was going to say joviality. Is that a word <clears> though? <laughs> I think so. Okay. Yep. <laughs> full of joviality. We are ready to record in our beautiful Christmas ambiance. And I'm very excited about this episode because I had this idea months ago, and I've just been I'm excited thinking too, yeah. about it for a long time. It's going to be a fun one. But before we get to the the uh, episode proper, I have an all-important question. The hardest question of all time? It is very hard because we are recording this. This is our final episode of 2019, so not only our final episode of the year, but also it's uh, the end of the decade, which is mind-boggling. We were moving into a new decade, and I was thinking about all the amazing movies that have come out this decade. And so the the all-important question is, what are your three favorite movies of the 2010s? So the entire decade, from 2010 to, to today, what are your three favorites? Such a hard question. Yeah. And keep in mind, we're recording this. When this episode comes out, we both will have seen Rise of Skywalker, so who knows? Maybe that'll make the list. That'd be nice. But And there's a couple of movies we haven't seen yet this year that we would really want to. But yes, overall, 2010s, what are your three favorite three favorite movies of the decade? And I went with ones that I felt like influenced me in some way or were, had an effect on me. Um, so I had to go with Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows because it was just the culmination of my m- most favorite fandom. It's still my favorite. I love Harry Potter so much. And that was just the one movie to rule them all. <laughs> that's that's a pop cultural appropriation. <laughs> yes. But that's fine because you know that Rowling's borrowed plenty from Lord of the Rings. So. That's fair, yeah. So it's already happened. And then my second one is Rogue One. Mm-hmm. Because that one... After I mean, I, I liked Star Wars up to this point, but after coming out of the theaters and watching Rogue One, I was like, I am now a Star Wars fan. Yeah, like, I remember I that love, exact sentence you yeah. said, and I was I was giddy. <laughs> like, I love Star Wars. Yeah. And I think that movie's amazing because it just gives so much more importance to A New Hope and, you know, the cost of them getting the plan and everything, um, which we were talking about this the other night. Because we were watching Force Awakens, right? Yeah. We were watching The Force Awakens and we had just finished Resistance. The first season. The first yeah. season of Resistance, which is on Disney+. Plus. And we, I, was talking, I was thinking about how much it, like, like the same thing, how much importance it gives to, uh, to The Force Awakens. Like you get more of the story in the background. So I really liked that. So let's see, Harry Potter. And I got a Star Wars movie in there. <laughs> and I had a really hard time. Because I've got two more, but if I had to pick one of the two, I just don't even know. <laughs> okay, final answer, I'm going to go with Hunt for the Wilder People, because I think that was 
the funniest movie that I can think of in the past decade. It just made me laugh really hard. Yeah. That's it. Those are my top three. But my fourth, my honorable mention would be La La Land because I love musicals and I love old school musicals and that one is very reminiscent of old school musicals but done in a bright new way and I could just listen to that soundtrack forever. And that is it. That is all. So Casey, what are you... Well, I was just going to say those are some great choices and okay, this is so weird. Two weird things about this. (laughs) First of all, my top three, I don't have a Star Wars, which might surprise everyone uh, Yeah, in the there's world. no Star Wars. You have a Star Wars on your top three. <laughs> I do not have Star Wars on my top three, um, which is fun. And there's something about the year, like if I had to pick a year that's the best in this decade, it's 2016. La La Land is 2016. Rogue One is 2016. Hunt for the Wilder People is 2016. Whoa, you mean three, so three of, of my four, top four were from the same year? And two of my top three are from 2016. <laughs> so I didn't even think about what year they came out. Yeah, so something about something was in the water 2016. Plus, there's a, some there's some other good ones like it's not on my list, but Civil War. We both really like Civil, yes. Captain America: Civil War. Um, great movie, also 2016. Um, but my top three. So my top two were pretty easy for me. The third the third one I also had trouble, which sounds similar to your plight with your top three. Conundrum. Yeah. Um, my number one, but the second one's really close. Like, a, 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 I have a hard time deciding which is my favorite. But I'll say my number one was Kubo and the Two Strings. That's numero uno for me. That movie, I don't know. It just means a lot to me. And I think it's just thematically so resonant about family and, and life and death and tragedy. And plus it's stop motion, which I'm always drawn to. And it's something that I'm vastly interested in. And it's just a beautiful, beautiful movie. And we... We talked about Kubo at length a few episodes ago, but yeah, Kubo and the Two Strings is is right up there. And I don't, I'm not one to call things masterpieces because I don't tend to think of myself having any clout to even say such a thing, but I do think Kubo and the Two Strings is a masterpiece. I do think that. And then my number two is Arrival, which was also 2016. That one was definitely up there on my list. Like I'd probably put it as my favorite sci-fi. Yeah. It was, a, it was a good decade for sci-fi. We had some other good ones like Interstellar, Interstellar yeah. Gravity. Yeah, yeah, Gravity. I love Gravity. Um, the Martian. Yeah, true. I feel like there's another one I'm forgetting. I mean, there was plenty of sci-fi, and um, but yes, Arrival. I just think is it's just awesome. It's a great movie, and it's probably my favorite directed movie. I think that it's just paced in such an interesting way. It's a little bit slow, but I like slow sci-fi's that are mind benders and. Um, it's just a fantastic movie and it, uh, it, I feel like it's rewatchable because of the way that the story is told, um, without giving too much away if you haven't seen Arrival, but. Yeah, you seem to get more the second or third time around, you catch new things. Yeah, which are my favorite kinds of movies. I generally, I generally feel like my second viewing is where I really decide if I love something or not, because I tend to like most things the first time I see them. There's some things I don't, but. Um, the second viewing's huge for me. Um, so yeah, Arrival. And then the third one I had a really hard time with, and I'll give myself an honorable mention since you did. But uh, the third one's got to be the third one's got to be Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. That's just man, what a what a film. <laughs> I figured that one would be on your list. Yeah, 
if I had to guess for you, I, I think I probably would put that like number one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're all, all three of those are really close. Yes. Um, gosh, it was a good decade for movies. And uh, yeah, I love Spider-Man. I think it's the best animated movie of the decade. If you don't consider Kubo animated, which it basically is, but that's a different kind of debate. Um, I don't know what to say about Spider-Verse that hasn't been said, but it's just wonderful. My honorable mention was um, also animated, which is the Lego movie, the first one. Uh, That one's up there because, well, first of all, I just love it. It's just a wonderful movie, and I think it's just perfect. And um, But that movie changed my life, and that sounds like hyperbole, and I've probably talked about it at length before. I think I mentioned it in one of our previous episodes. But um, Tell us again. (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay, if I must. (laughs) Sounds like I planned that and asked you to... (laughs) urge me (laughs) nope i just like this story um it's like little kids and you love the stories that your parents tell about you well i grew up with lego you know playing with lego and um but as most teenagers you kind of become too cool for it and i just didn't really play for a long long time and the lego movie came out and i really wanted to see it we didn't get to see it in theaters but um you bought it for me just because you knew i would love it and you were right, which we don't do very often. We don't tend to buy things if we haven't... Movies, we don't tend to buy if we haven't seen it. We have plenty of books that we haven't read yet, but movies are a bit, a bit different. Um, and I watched it, and it just, like, awakened something in me. <laughs> I just, like, needed to get back into Lego, and then I slowly did, and then eventually, you know, and I'm telling this in a very short way, but eventually got into... Um, I eventually got a job at the Lego store and then I loved that and I became a manager there and I worked there for a couple of years and it was the best experience. And this podcast is really an extension of, um, you know, two things. It's the conversations you and I have already, you know, talking about what movies and books mean to us, but also the conversations I had at the store with the employees. And so I don't think this podcast would exist without, without the Lego experience and, and by extension without the Lego movie. So, um, yeah. Plus, it's just such a major part of our lives now and our children's lives now, too. Still, the Legos. So the Lego bricks, excuse me. Not the Legos. Lego. <laughs> yeah. Our house is flooded. Inundated. Mm-hmm. Tubs on tubs of color-coordinated Lego. All over the place. Also, people always <laughs> people always comment on the fact that I say Lego, but I can't stop because you... Got it I know. stuck I in work, my head. I work with kids and I say store. it and they're like, um, it's Legos. Yeah. <laughs> and I just I'm just like, okay. I don't I'm not gonna correct them. I'm not gonna be that guy. I just let it be. Mm-hmm. It's kind of an American thing to call them Legos. Everywhere else people use the proper terms for it. But anyways, really great decade for movies. It was really hard to decide, at least for our third one, because there's so many good ones. And there's probably so many that I've forgotten. Right. And if you if somebody else mentions it or I read it on Instagram. Instagram comments, I'm going to be like, oh yeah, that one. Right. Should have been on my list. <laughs> well, speaking of which, should we share what some of our friends said? Absolutely. There were a lot, so we don't got to go, th- we don't have to go through all of these. We don't just, scats to go. Yeah, we don't scats to, but um, I'm, I feel vindicated because I think all of our top three are here, which shouldn't really matter, but um, I don't know. It's nice to know that our friends have similar tastes in movies. I don't see Hunt for the Wilder People. No, but our pal TJ... He probably would not, put it up there. Um, did not answer this, nor did Meredith. So at least one of them would have <laughs> put Hunt for the Wilder People. So They're the ones who introduced us to it. True. We are forever in yeah. their debt. Yeah, that was a while ago. 2016. 2000, 2017. <laughs> well, I think it was like 2017. I think we were a little late. Yeah. yeah. 
Okay. Um, our the top one among friends was Spider Man into the Spider Verse. So there you go. Rachel, Shane, Mary Clay Watt, Krista B. Olson, Jeremy Moore. They all had that had this in their top three. I'm impressed. The End Game got so many books of King, Becca, Ethan Hewlin, Casey, and Nate Miller. That's one I love the book. So I think the movie was just okay. The book of Endgame. Oh. What, what am thinking I thinking of? of? I don't know. I'm thinking of what's the um, Orson Scott card book? Ender. Ender's Game. <laughs> That's so funny. I just didn't write Avengers on the list because I assumed nope. that it was obvious, obvious you were talking about. But clearly not obvious enough to Valerie. <laughs> I saw Endgame and just read Ender's You're like, oh, Game. A lot of people like that. Yeah. I was like, that. that's why I said it was surprising because I was like, Ender's Game was okay. It's nothing compared to the book. Okay, then. Endgame. That makes way more sense. That one was... It, it is an incredible film. Becca Becca just put Endgame. Of course, she doesn't watch movies, so... <laughs> you know that as a fact. She tells me all the time I don't watch movies, which I still don't get why she's listening, but... <laughs> but thanks for listening, Becca. I love you. <laughs> You're my favorite. <sighs> that is impressive because that's basically all we talk about right i mean we bring up books but she just likes us which is flattering so flattering she wins a gold star for kindness that's accurate uh we also have rogue one three people mentioned rogue one my my people shane and diana marie and sort of star wars force awakens was also on there a few times i like the arrival got some others just like you rachel Lindsay, angel we got some love for captain marvel see that one was in my running for sure. I just love Captain, love Captain Marvel, Marvel yeah. so much. And that movie is incredible. And it feels nostalgic. There's been a lot of nostalgia for the 80s, but I don't remember the 80s. But the 90s I remember. So that one's really fun in that way for me too. Yeah, you were, you went on like a 90s music kick after we watched that movie. Yes, I created a whole playlist of all my favorite jams. Bunch of garbage. I didn't, <laughs> I don't mean like, like musical garbage, like the band garbage. Yeah. <laughs> No, more like a bunch of cranberries and cardigans and garbage is right up in there with that, <laughs> with that list. Um, what else we got? We got a few Pixar, uh, Frozen. Oh, not Frozen's not Pixar, but Pixar or Disney animation. We got Frozen and Tangled up in there. Inside Out, Coco. What? What does Eni think she's doing? She listed like a no, dozen. Eni. Who does she think she is? Except for an amazing, wonderful person that we love. But she's cheating, listing five movies in her top three. <laughs> I'm 100% down for Emily Hatch posting Geek Charming. That was an underrated Disney, a DCOM, Disney Channel original movie. Is that the one where he's like, he makes movies for the popular girl? Yes. I know what I'm talking about. You do. We also got some love for Walter Mitty. Aw, I love Walter Mitty. Underrated movie. So good. Um, someone else said Kubo and the Two Strings. And someone else, uh, Mary Clay Watt, also, also said Harry Potter and Deathly Hallows Part 2. We're pals. She and I, that Harry Potter. You just... I'm a kindred spirit with anybody who loves Harry Potter. I'm a kindred spirit with anyone who loves Paddington too. Yes. <laughs> Paddington 1 as well. But I do think I like the second one more than the first. I do too. Which is hard to say because the first is really great. But the second one's even better, which is just incredible how did they do that really if you're if you've been sleeping on paddington 2 just go watch paddington 2 actually watch paddington 1 because it's really good not to mention the day of it i just had this conversation with ryan from sort of star wars podcast about how the composer from paddington 2 also is the composer for pride and prejudice and kubo and the two strings and kubo and the two strings it's quite the discography 
Trying to remember his name. He's Italian. Oh, I can't remember. I love the music in all those movies. But, of course, I am biased about Kubo. Trying to Google this, you know, Paddington 2 composer, but I was not paying attention to what I typed. And it says Passenfron. Passenfron. Yeah, you know, Passenfron 2. That's my favorite movie of the decade, Passenfron. Paddington 2. Let's try that again. So we can give a shout out to Dario Marianelli. Oh, what a guy. What an incredible talent. Are we ready to talk about Santa Claus? Papa Shisho. (laughs) It's a reference to my favorite Santa Claus movie, The Santa Claus. So this episode was your idea. So what are we doing? Tell tell us. Tell the listeners. I had the thought that Santa Claus is full of magic and whimsy and, and there's a lot of, you know, mythos surrounding him. But the real question is, it all comes down to this. Is Santa Claus with all of his uh, supernatural abilities, or call it what you may, is he a Jedi or a wizard? A wizard as in Harry Potter. As in Harry Potter wizard. I guess we could bring in Gandalf-esque <laughs> qualities, but we were really were focusing on... Funny you went to Gandalf. I was thinking Merlin. Oh, yeah. When I think wizard, apparently Merlin's the old school one that comes to mind for me. Because Gandalf doesn't have a pointy hat with stars on it. True. Who or says Merlin did? Is a staff, but Disney... Disney says that. Oh, yeah, I guess you were talking Sword in the Stone. Well, what were you thinking of? <laughs> First, you're not thinking of Lord of the Rings at all. And then you're just thinking of I'm the thinking actual T.H. Story. White's The Once and Future King. Nerd. <laughs> Where you learn all kinds of cool things about Merlin, like he ages backwards. Like yeah, he we, we was alive last at the end of time. And then he gets younger and younger till the beginning of time. Okay, Santa Claus. Yes. We're off track already. That's okay. All right. What? Uh, so what we're gonna do is we're going to go through each of the um, myths or traditions related to Santa Claus. As Valerie resituates her chair, we're gonna talk about each of the traditions or or mythical ideas surrounding Santa Claus, and we are going to decide if if that fits a wizard, a la the Wizarding World, or a Jedi, as in Star Wars. I almost think we should make it more of a debate. A debate? Yeah. Like for each point, I will clearly be arguing wizard and you will argue Jedi. But here's the thing. In your top three movies of the decade, you had Harry Potter and Star Wars. I had neither. So <laughs> So you're at a disadvantage? Yeah. So I'm arguing for Star Wars. Is that what, we, what you said? For Jedi, yes. For Jedi. Excuse me. Okay. This will please our son. He loves... He's been telling us... Th- yeah. He Go loves ahead, debate shows. Like he listens to Smash Boom Best, which is like a kids debate show and they debate all kinds of things. Yeah. yeah. Podcast. They debate things like What's better, books versus yeah, movies? Yeah, books versus movies or, or Dolphins versus sharks? Octopus. Oh, octopus. Oh, octopus. Anyways, he listens to these podcasts over and over. So he really wanted this to be a debate episode. Yeah. Okay. So I'm arguing for Wizard. Wizard. Okay. The wizarding world of Santa Claus. Okay. Then I'm not gonna give you the ideas that I had for Harry Potter. Oh man. And I assume you're going you had some ideas I for Jedi. I did have Jedi ideas as well. You can't give to me. So. Okay. Okay, so Santa Claus lives in the North Pole, a cold wasteland far from civilization, right? True. So is that a wizard? Tell me why that's a wizard thing to do. First of all, wizards have to live in at least some seclusion from the muggles of the world. Santa Claus has just picked the ultimate spot where he can be as magical as he wants to be, run his workshop without needing to worry about muggles interference or even having to bother putting up any kinds of 
spells to, you know, enchantments to deflect the muggles. My turn. Yes. The North Pole seems otherworldly because it is otherworldly. It is another planet on which Santa Claus resides far from Earth, you know, in a galaxy far, far away, possibly Hoth or some other snowbound planet containing a Jedi temple, which I will get to later. (laughs) Just keep that in mind, that this is a snowy planet. Are you now telling me that Santa Claus not only has to get around the world in one night, but he has to get to another planet in one night? Yeah, well, yes. To another planet and around it in one night. Don't worry, I've I've accounted for this. Okay. But you just have to wait for it. (laughs) The elves, Casey. Yep, he's got elves. What makes them Jedi- a Jedi accoutrement. Well, they're not like the Wizarding World elves. Like, they're never depicted the same way that the house elves of Harry Potter are depicted. I disagree. So, so they're not like, I don't know, they're not obsessed with like gold and, and things and trinkets. Those are goblins. Sorry. Yeah, sorry, I was getting mixed up. <laughs> <laughs> nah, wrong. Hold on. No points for you, sir. Hold on. Those elves are in the North Pole. They have to have clothing. I'm not saying that they're house elf slaves, but they could be like Dobby. Okay. How about you go first? Because I'm jumping the gun, apparently. (laughs) So I would argue that the elves of Santa Claus are much like the house elves in that they have special magical abilities of their very own style, their own incredible talents. And like Dobby or like the house elves of... Harry Potter of Hogwarts, when they are well cared for, they are happy and they serve loyally for their entire lives and their children's lives and the lives after that. So these are the, you know, the elves that have been at the North Pole, have been there for generations, happily serving because that's what they love to do. You see in Harry Potter when Dobby and Hermione tried to start a house elf, house elf revolt and it doesn't work because it's just not in their nature. So it's like that in the North Pole where they are, you know, I don't think Santa Claus is sticking them there, but much like Dumbledore, he allows them to work there because they have for generations and that's what they enjoy to do. And they've got all the skills necessary with a little snap of their fingers to make toys and treats. And I mean, you've seen the incredible food that comes out of the Hogwarts kitchen. That concludes my argument for elves at the North Pole. So the qualities known about Santa Claus's elves could easily apply to a race of creatures in the Star Wars universe. Ewoks. No, I'm... Well, yes, but I'm saying like... <laughs> Jawa. Creatures that look elf-like. What creature is small, has very large ears? That weird little bird monkey? Well, I, what I was getting at was Yoda's... I wanted you to say Yoda's species, <laughs> but actually I don't think Yoda's species. I'm thinking... Have you heard, uh, you know, you know your favorite Star Wars character, even Peel. Yeah, he's your favorite, mm-hmm, right? true. Can you see this picture of him from here, from there? Yes. Yeah, he's an elf. Even Peel, he's actually a, a Lannick. He's a terrifying looking elf. And, well, yeah, that's to keep the kids from coming, you know. <laughs> the kids won't come and ask questions if they've got these. And, well, and his eye, like, I know his eye is kind of frightening, but he just was scarred in battle, I'm sure. But yeah, my contention is that the elves could be any number of different Star Wars creatures very easily on this snowy planet. They're probably native to it, which is why he's there. Except none of them have toys. the right skills. What are you talking about, the right skills? 
even peel is a jedi yeah but can he make magical food by the just appear on magical plates in hogwarts if i say yes will you not look into it further <laughs> no <laughs> that's a logical fallacy and docu points in this debate yeah, who's keeping point who's keeping score the audience okay we'll put a poll up in a few days <laughs> Okay, that one was that one probably went to you because it's easy, but it could go to me because all I'm saying is those elves could be creatures from another planet. Since you're hypothesizing that the North Pole is on a different planet. Correct. Yes. What's your point? There's myth and then there's just extreme disbelief, Casey. And I have disbelief in this. Yeah, but myth is always a twist of the truth anyways, you know? Because Santa Claus is real children. So I'm just telling you the truth. And then over time, the folklore has twisted the truth. Because this all hinges on the fact that that Star Wars is taking place a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, which implies that Earth still exists in the universe. Not the same galaxy, but it's far away from our galaxy, right? And a long time ago. And a long time ago, correct. And I'll get into that, the time thing. That's important <laughs> to my debate. My, I know I keep saying that, that I'll get into that, because I will. You're not going to be able to keep up that... Uh... That theory, you know, you're you're playing that up so hard, it's not going to pan out. Oh, it's going to be anticlimactic, is yes. that what you're saying? It's exactly what I'm saying in a less eloquent manner. <laughs> <laughs> well, if I'm going to lose this debate, at least I have eloquence on my side. Okay, what's next? Santa Claus has so many names, Casey. Right, Saint Nick, Santa Claus, Papa Shishova. <laughs> Chris Kringle. Santa, Chris Kringle, yeah. Did we miss any? Père Noel. Mm-hmm. Papa Noel, maybe. Sounds right. Sure, somewhere. Okay. You can so start. So, how is that a that. wizard thing having multiple names? Here's the thing: if you've lived a long, long life like mm-hmm. Santa Claus, I think you would accumulate a lot of new names. I mean, look at Dumbledore. He starts out with like seven names. Let's see. Including Brian. Alfred. What is it? Albus. Albus. Brian. Well, no, I know there's a Percival. Wolfric. Per- Percival. Brian. 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 <laughs> Dumbledore. Dumbledore. <laughs> yeah, but I think those were given names. Right. He didn't earn and those over time. he's young compared... I mean, he's not young, young, but compared to how old Santa Claus is, if we're talking mm. around for millennium. Okay. So think of all the different names that you would have to different people in different places. If Madame... Oh, what's her name? Pomfrey. No. Hooch. No. <laughs> no, from the other school, from the, the French school. Maxime. Mm, yes. Madame Maxime, if she can call him Dumbledore, then... Goblins and elves, so I'm trying to make up (laughs) points with Harry Potter knowledge. It's okay. I'm bad with remembering names of things. Like even Peel. You forgot about him. Yeah, I never knew about him. With good reason. You're giving me nightmares. Don't look up his picture. Don't look up his picture. (laughs) Don't do it. (laughs) Back to the point. If Madame Maxime can call him Dumbledore, then Santa Claus can... accumulate lots of different names from lots of different cultures that he's visited over many many years see i would say if if uh the multiple name thing is a wizard thing it's more lord of the rings than harry potter all the different names that gandalf has he does he gets called things by every different person storm crow you aren't supposed to uh, be helping me my argument i'm not helping you i'm saying that it was it's more lord of the rings than harry potter are you incorporating lord of the rings And and merlin has different names Throughout the passage of time, too. Yeah. I think it's a Jedi thing because you think of, uh, or, or a Force user thing, because a major part of Sith is, of the Sith religion or the Sith way of life is to change your name. 
So I think Santa Claus was something else before he became Santa Claus. Are you saying that Santa Claus is a Sith when in reality his whole thing is about bringing toys to good children? No, it's not. His whole thing is about bringing coal to bad children. (laughs) But somewhere along the line, people messed it up. Now you're just ruining all the mythos of Santa. (laughs) No. No, no. He is a good guy. He's not a Sith who has changed his name to become an evil person. Mm. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right, what's the next one? I'm not very good at debating. I I don't like arguing. (laughs) Do we need to change the format? We could argue both ways. No, it's okay. We can keep going. This is still fun. I'm just, I feel like I'm probably losing, but that's okay. I can, this isn't a knock to my self-esteem or anything. You can own your failures. Yeah. Yeah. The beauty of failure. Yes. I'm just living proof of it. (laughs) Aren't we all? Casey, let's talk about the list of children that Santa Claus has. Yes. Santa Claus keeps a list to track whether children are good or Gonna find out who's naughty or nice. Which in the Star Wars universe as Obi-Wan says, only Sith deal in absolutes, which itself is an absolute. So the point I'm making is that... More proof that Santa's a Sith? Or a Jedi, because the Jedi are so focused on light and dark as well. Mm. So light, dark, naughty, nice, it's all the same. Fascinating. Mm -hmm. Here's how Santa, the wizard Santa, uses his magical abilities to create the list. Is that he is great at legilimens. I always say that wrong. Did I say that right? Yeah, I think. Okay. I think when I read it as a kid, I always wanted to say legilimens. I heard the movies, I believe they say legilimens. Legilimency. So is occlumency when you're blocking it? When you're it? blocking it. So legilimency is, is being able to read people's minds, which is how he knows that these kids are good or bad. You know somebody's thoughts. You can 100% tell whether they deserve a toy or not. I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite musical moment in The Force Awakens? When Rey and Kylo Ren are battling back and forth. In what? In their minds. In their minds, yeah, exactly. So, you know, uh, the Force... So, Occlumency and Legilimens is basically a part of the Star Wars universe as well. A similar feature. Yeah, where where characters with the Force can invade others' minds, right? Mm-hmm. Also, there's a history of Yoda knowing what's going on far away from where he is. Like, he knows what Ezra's up to. And he knows what Luke's up to. So if Santa is a force user, he he would have to be a very powerful force user, not unlike Yoda, but there's a history of force users. Now, if you want to make the argument that Yoda is Santa and Santa is Yoda, I'm there for it. <laughs> and baby Yoda is just one of many of his elves. Yes. <laughs> That's my new story. Thanks for that. So baby Yoda is the next Santa Claus in line. Yeah, naturally. Because the last Santa Claus... Yoda has fell disappeared. Yeah. No, he disappeared on Dagobah. He fell off his roof and disappeared on Dagobah. Yeah. Which, which you might not know this, but that little spot is the only swampy part. The rest of the planet is super icy and snowy of Dagobah. Now you're just mocking my lack of Star Wars knowledge. I will not believe that, Casey. <laughs> I'm not mocking your lack of Star Wars knowledge. You're believing that you that can you pull the wool over my eyes. You cannot, sir. The other thing I was going to say about the list is that it's got to be continually updated and changing. And the wizards have those magic quick quills like Rita Skeeter uses. And it's just there. It's almost like the Marauder's Map. Yeah. And I love that it has a, a scrolly feeling just like all the like the wizards of Harry Potter still use scrolls 
to write there. <laughs> I'm just going to give you stuff because, you know, the wizards have ways of magically tracking underage wizards already. Wizards and witches or mag- magical users. So it's not that much of a stretch to have a list of which ones are being good and bad. Exactly. Do you think Santa would send out warnings? Like with the howlers? He's like, this is your first warning. Be kind. Don't turn your younger brother's uh, teddy bear into a spider again. Or anything else of that kind, of that ilk. Or else you are going to lose your present privileges. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. What's the next one? Appearance. Santa Claus's appearance. Is it more Jedi-like or more wizard-like? I don't know. It could go either way. I can't think of any Jedi that wear red and a little bit of white. I think Santa's beard is very wizard-like. True. But Obi-Wan has a big white beard, too. Well, maybe not big, but a white beard. It's very trim, that beard of Obi-Wan's. He's like the only Jedi with facial hair. And that's when he's what? not really... The only Jedi with facial hair. Isn't he? I'm thinking of the council. I see no other beards. My gosh, you're blowing my mind. And he's not really an active Jedi at the time. Just like how Luke doesn't grow a beard until he's not really an active Jedi. No, Obi-Wan has a beard in episode three. He's got that goatee. Can you count a goatee as a beard? Well, you said facial hair. Okay. But still. Yoda's got a mustache, don't you remember? Does he? Yeah, it's like twirly. <laughs> yes. Go look up pictures of Yoda. See if you can find I'm, his mustache. The one time I've got you to almost believe. One of, one of my I was fake. picturing like a really wispy little hair. You know how he gets like ear hairs and things sticking out? Right, he's got a little bit of hair on his head. Yeah, and he has yeah. he totally has ear hair coming out of his big ears. So I was trying to picture like wispy little mustaches. Apolrancisis has facial hair. Who? The elf guy? N- no. That's even Peel. Yeah. I already forgot him. You don't need to pretend you don't know these I things. I already blocked him from my mind. Some oculumency to keep his image out. Did you have more to say about his appearance? I feel like Santa's uniform, he has like a robe-like feeling to it. It's a little shorter. You know, make it a little more convenient for going down chimneys and things. Yeah, like a Jedi robe. But also, does he need rain? I just barely had this thought. Does he need reindeer and everything if he can just use flu powder to get to everybody's houses to deliver presents? I wasn't going to give you that. That's blowing my mind. <laughs> exactly. But before we get there, because that's a good one, and I have ideas about the chimney. I do too. But that was, yeah. But let's talk about the reindeer. and. Absolutely. What's your argument for reindeer in the Star Wars universe? Well, the simple answer is that there are plenty of strange creatures in the Star Wars galaxy, right? There could be a, a reindeer-like creature that can fly. But also, it's important to note that um, Santa seems to have a special relationship with these reindeer, right? Not unlike how Ezra has a powerful connection with animals Loth in cats. Star Wars Rebels, like loath cats and loath wolves, and your favorite of all the creatures. The floating pergil. Let the record show Valerie had the biggest smile. <laughs> and she was, she's blushing about the pergil. Just, they're my favorite creature of all creatures and all myths of all time. That is all. So yeah, I think Santa has, Jedi Santa, Jedi Master Santa Claus, he has a, a powerful force connection with the reindeer. We had very similar arguments here because I thought on the basic level you've got reindeer are a mythical creature like dragons or hippogriffs. They're just a creature that can fly. And I thought about the uh, the connection, and I was thinking about how close Hermione is to her cat, whose name I just forgot, the ginger cat. Chopper? No. Oh, sorry, Even Peel? No. <laughs> Crookshanks? Yes, there you go. Crookshanks. And she has, you know, they have a special kind of bond there, and I think, a, and Harry and Hedwig, there's lots of creatures that people are very attached to, and so I feel like these 
magical reindeer could be the same way or on the flip side the reindeer are just animals and they have given them like hovering charms to like make them fly true yeah could go either way all right what about the flying sleigh that's kind of an easy one yeah i feel like the sled the sleigh is enchanted like a broom right or the flying car yep the flying car and i was gonna say it could just be a, a speeder of some kind <laughs> yes you know, I wasn't going to give you this, but here you go. If you think of the sleigh like a spacecraft, yeah. then you can have hyperdrive, and that's how it gets everywhere so fast. You get to Earth. I appreciate the olive branch, but I don't need it. <laughs> just wait. But I was thinking even just getting around the world, too. Like, you can just travel faster, man. I said just wait, but now's the time. So Time. How can Santa visit all the children in one night? Two words for you. Time, Turner. I knew you were going to say that. Because it's there and it's accurate. But you also have flu powder. So you've got but, two possibilities yeah, there. Flu powder definitely speed things up. You don't even have to like get out of the chimney. You just flu powder, like chuck some presents through. It's like, you just like, good aim. You just like slide them up to the Christmas tree. <laughs> <laughs> I think you have to pick one. Does he use flu it's powder? It's like a drive by <laughs> snowballing of somebody, but like nice with presents. So does he take his sleigh through a chimney? And then it's just throwing pet presents because like the flute network, you're getting like a I know what it portal is. between a, a portal between worlds. There's a little hint for where I'm going. <laughs> but is he in that portal and he's throwing presents through all the fireplaces? Is that what you're saying? But he's still on his sleigh or does he even need the sleigh? He just has his bag. Here's my new theory. Two things. They use both, Casey. Santa is a traditionalist. He wants to use the sleigh. He wants to hand deliver all the toys to all the good kids. The children who get coal are the ones that the elves back at the North Pole are using flu powder and just like chucking some coal in to their stockings through the through the flu powder flu network. It's a little bit of both. Darn coal. Well, as I hinted at, Santa uses so the world times. between worlds. Uh huh. So he's on a snowy planet with a Jedi temple. Yeah, mm-hmm. and he has access through the force to get to the world between worlds. Which we just finished Rebels fourth season, so we were very into it. I'm not going to spoil what actually happens in there, but I'll explain the world between worlds is essentially a it's like another dimension in the force, and there are portals through time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the you Tesseract. Can affect time through those portals. So Santa doesn't need any of these other accoutrements of sleighs and reindeer and and all this stuff he just hangs out in the world between worlds forever and throws presents through the portals to every child in existence through all time and he just does that over and over so his one goal like he doesn't have a family he just sits there in the world between worlds yep his existence is now very depressing you have now both named him a sith and nothing more than like a robot sitting there or maybe he's yoda or maybe he just goes in there once a year you know, at Christmas time. At Christmas time. How does time, he get to the right places at the right time? He just knows. He's got the force. But see, I feel like the world between worlds was very much sent you where you're supposed to be at that time kind of thing. Yeah, and the cosmic force wills Santa Claus to give presents to all the children. Yeah, this is that important. Yeah, this is presents are important to the cosmic force. Everyone <laughs> knows that. Pretty sure the cosmic force is above such things. I don't know about that. Everyone loves presents, even the cosmic force. Yes, but as we learn from reading How the Grinch Stole Christmas Tonight to our children, it's not about the presents. It's, it's a, about the It's coal. a little bit more. <laughs> it's about the people. It is. It is about the people. That's beautiful. I don't believe it, but whatever. <laughs> All right, this next one, I don't know the Jedi angle, but 
the Wizarding World's pretty uh, pretty easy, but the bag. The bag. It would ha- clearly have the same enchantment on it that Mary Poppins uses. That Mary Poppins uses, because we all know she was a wiz- uh, witch. And this is not working. Sorry. I had to put a pin on my phone because the youngling kept getting into my phone and rearranging all my apps and calling China. And But yes, the bag is just like the same enchantment that Hermione uses on her bag and Mary Poppins uses on her bag. When you've got unlimited space, you're just set, man. Also, the other option is, because I've always liked the Santa Claus bag where the bag is small, like it's empty until he goes to the next house and then it is magically refilled with just the toys that he needs. So the other option is that there's some kind of a portal connection between the North Pole and the bag, Um, some kind of enchantment there. Maybe the bag is part of the flu network and so they just can like put in the presents that he needs for each house at the right time. Well, if Santa's using the world between worlds, he doesn't need a bag. So there's that. The elves just keep tossing in presents and he throws them through the portals to the children i just feel like your vision of santa claus is depressing (laughs) why how is it any different to throw present through portals than it is to throw it through the flu network just him hanging out in the world between worlds it just seems like such an isolating place but he would spend just as much time in the world between worlds as santa in your wizarding world would in the flu network i suppose suppose that's fair all right we're running long on time so What's your final argument about Santa Claus being a wizard? Wait, I have two more things, Casey. Just make the two part of your final argument. Okay, so another fact. The kids who wake up in the middle of the night and Santa gets them to go back to sleep. Like in the Santa Claus, he's just telling them. He says, kid, go to sleep. Do you want the present or not? But I really love in Noel, the new movie on Disney+, Plus, which is really cute, where part of Santa's powers is that he can like tell people to go to sleep and they will and so i think that as a wizard what are you are you saying that he imperious imperious curses the children no is that what you're saying no (laughs) imperio go to sleep (laughs) no i'm saying it's just like a memory no instead of a sleeping thing i'm thinking more like a memory charm like he erases the fact that they have ever seen him that still sounds messed up Please, if I was a parent and could use the memory charm on my children, I feel like this is getting dangerous territory. <laughs> you don't remember there are cookies here. You would Jedi mind trick kids all the time. Come on. Not our children. They're not weak-minded. <laughs> They're stronger-minded than I am. That's why we need them to forget a few things. Because they will scream till the end of time if you don't give them the rest of the candy cane. That was the 18-month-old today. You sound bitter. It was like her third candy cane that she found from I don't know where. And we had a long, drawn-out scream fest over it. I gave her the first candy cane. She got to eat that. It's like a mini one. And the second one, she had found like a piece of a candy cane. So I was like, all right, that's tiny. Sure, whatever. And the third time she comes out, it's like this big piece of candy cane. And I was like, nope, <laughs> we're done. <laughs> I don't even know where she was getting them from. Apparently our house is the North Pole with candy everywhere. So back to my point about <clears throat> being able to... Uh, use a memory charm on the kids so that they don't remember that they've seen Santa to keep his identity and everything a secret. And my other my other argument for Santa being a wizard is that he has lived for a very, very, very long time. Right, Casey? And the way he has accomplished that is with the use of the Sorcerer's Stone. Oh, interesting. He has the elixir of life. He can live 
forever and continue being Santa for as long as he desires. And when he's done, he will find a young apprentice to teach his ways or one of his kids. See, in in the Star Wars universe, he could just be a very a creature that lives to be very old. You know, Yoda dies when he's nine hundred. Maz, she's been running that watering hole for a thousand years. Maybe Maz is Santa Claus. Okay. <laughs> now you're on my side. Now I'm sold. <laughs> no, my my uh, final argument is simply that. Maz just uses smugglers from her watering hole there and like sends them out the gifts. Uh, My final argument is simply that in the Santa Claus, when the old Santa dies, he disappears or he becomes one with the force. Not unlike Obi-Wan disappearing and Yoda disappearing. um, That shot? And old man Luke disappearing. The shot at the end of Klaus which is a movie on Netflix, and you haven't watched it, you should. It's amazing. And then after you've watched it, you can go listen to the Bacon Eggs podcast about it, which is great. Is that the episode where Ethan does a Bob Dylan voice? Because his Bob Dylan impression is really good. I don't remember which episode, but yeah, I meant to tell you because, yeah, <laughs> Ethan Edgehill has the best Bob Dylan impression I've ever heard. It's fantastic. Although I do take offense, a Bob Dylan's voice is weird, but I love it so much. Probably because I grew up with him in the house all the time anyway not literally but the music bob dylan was your dad <laughs> just hang out i don't know if you guys knew that he was my dad's favorite though my dad has seen bob dylan in concert more times i didn't know than that him. oh he's been to like four or five bob dylan concerts yeah um definitely more than any other musician ever <laughs> anyways you're saying about klaus anyways at the end where he kind of disappears into the woods yeah like a jedi like a jedi yeah. i had that thought all right let's close out the episode um I wanted to mention we had our our t-shirt giveaway contest, which is now closed. Sorry. But the winner is Emily Thurman. We've we've already told her, but we're throwing some confetti. Yay. She's very excited. And we just want to thank Emily because she's such a stalwart fan. Big supporter. She's the best. But thank you to everyone who entered and wrote in funny or silly or poetic similes of of what it's what it's like to listen to hello from elsewhere and we did promise to read them but there were a few and i don't it just feels vain to read a lot so maybe we'll just read read one every episode for a little while does that sound good sounds great let's read reviews all right so i'm gonna read i'm just gonna read the first one and we can just go in order week to week um and and there's some on itunes but we had the most on instagram so this one's from our pal Eeny Meeny of Sincerely Us, which is a wonderful podcast if you haven't listened. And she's just one of the best friends ever. She said, Listening to Hello from Elsewhere is like curling up on the comfiest couch with the comfiest blanket while wearing your most comfiest PJs, sipping a hot beverage, tea, coffee, cocoa, whatever brings you the most joy, and chatting with your absolute best friends. Oh, and drooling over Diego Luna and Oscar Isaac. <laughs> she just gets me. Thanks, Eeny, for that kind review. And to all of you out there, don't forget to rate and review the podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to Hello From Elsewhere. It really, really, truly helps us meet more listeners like you. And don't forget to engage with us on Twitter and Instagram at elsewhere underscore pod. Casey, let's get out of the chimney. Yeah, it's kind of messing with my lungs. Got the black lung now. (laughs) The black spot. Yes. (laughs) Happy beeps. Happy beeps.